Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be talking about a subject probably you've not heard before, but very important subject in this session. The title of this study, if you want to call it that, study, is Know Thyself. Now, Socrates said this. He says, to know yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. So this is a very wise statement. But now let me ask you a question. How does a person, especially a Christian believer, know himself? Well, we have a mirror, and that mirror is called the Word of God. And James said it this way. He said, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and straightway forgets what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. That's reading from the King James Version. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the word of God. Father, we bless you. We thank you today. Lord, oh, yes, Lord, thank you. Inspire us today with your word. Through your word, inspire us today, Father. Open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things that are in your word. And we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the NAS translation of verse 23 says this, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. So James likens the word of God to a mirror. And of course, we know what a mirror is. We, a natural, you know, mirror we have in our home. Uh, it always uh, is a reflection of our outward appearance. And so when we're going out, going to a party or going to a restaurant to eat, we want to make sure that our outward appearance is just right. And, of course, you know, we check our outward appearance in a mirror before we leave the house. We want to make sure that our hair is combed, our teeth are brushed, and we want to make sure that uh, the clothes that we have on match with the right colors. Make sure that our clothes are pressed, that there's no wrinkles in our shirt or slacks or, or anything like that. So just like a natural mirror reflects our outward appearance, the mirror of God's word reflects our inward appearance. Remember, the word of God is a spiritual book. It's a historical book, but it's a historical book that speaks to us. It's alive and powerful. Praise God. And so... We want to look in this session uh, at the Word of God and use the Word as the mirror that uh, is looking, that we're judging our life and our actions by the Word of God. So the Christ, to the Christian believer, the mirror is the Word of God. It's a reflection of how we are to be. It's a reflection how God desires us to be will find in the Word of God His perfect will. And so in the NAS translation of verses 24 and 25 of James chapter 1, 
says this, for once he has looked at himself and goes away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. And you and I have been there. You know, I mean, if we've been saved for any amount of time, we know exactly uh, and we can identify with what James has just written. Because when tests and temptations come, we often forget the one thing. We get over into the emotional realm. We start looking around with our natural eyes and uh, we forget one thing. That is, what does God's word have to say about this? And so what's the reason for this? Well, the reason for this is we're not perfect. We're not spiritually mature. But the real reason at the root of it is the fact that uh, we are instinctively selfish creatures. We were born selfish and we have that instinct of, of self-preservation inside of us. And the things that that people have done because of being extreme uh, under under extreme pressure, extreme tests and temptations, we think, how in the world could they do that? Well, it's that innate nature that is on the inside of us, that fallen part of our being that has not been redeemed yet. And also the fact that our mind has not been fully uh, renewed to the word of God. There's things in us that have been placed aside, maybe locked up somewhere in our soul and our mind or will and emotions that Every now and then they'll come out. For instance, we were, I, my wife and I were camping a, a couple uh, years ago and we were in a certain place that I was not familiar with. So I was a little anxious about getting around and not getting lost. And uh, I was following a, a couple that we were camping with uh, in my vehicle and, and, and they got away from me and I got away from them and got under a lot of pressure. And all of a sudden I just exploded with emotion and naturally I found my way back to the campsite but as I was driving in and parking my my uh, my vehicle at the campsite I was thinking you know I thought I had conquered that where did that come from well <laughs> there's it comes from that uh, that instinct of self-preservation and that's part of our nature that is going to be and needs to be put to dead. It needs to be brought under uh, the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, laid at his feet and put to death. Well, oftentimes we forget about these things. And uh, if we have the mirror of God's word, that is always the determining factor. When we look into that mirror, even though we're going through circumstances and tests and temptations and trials and and pressure is on, if we'll continue to look, and this is what James says, if we'll continue to look into uh, the mirror of God's word, we're always going to do those things that are pleasing to the Lord. So selfishness is one of our big problems. I mean, it is uh, horrible in, in the world today. But now James says this, this is once again out of the NAS translation, but one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of liberty, the word of God is the perfect law and abides by it. That's his dwelling place. 
That's where he lives. He abides by the law of liberty. And not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man shall be blessed in what he does. So every trial, every situation can be handled in such a way that our flesh does not get involved. You know, our flesh is like a, is like a riding a horse. And if you want to get off the horse, well, you got to get off the saddle. Got to get out of the saddle. And so we need to understand these things. But we need a barometer. We need something. We need a compass. We need something that we can look to that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt is the answer to every situation, to every problem. And that's the word of God. It's perfect. Like the psalmist said this. He says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Notice that. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Now, don't we want wisdom? And what Socrates said, we also can find in the word of God. There's a there's a similar thread that's running that runs through the word of God. Know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. So the idea of God's word converting the soul means that the word of God has that power within it, resonant power within it to cause you and I to return or to be restored back to a previous condition. You see, that, that moment that I just exploded, I caught me totally and completely by surprise. After I, after I exploded like that emotionally, on the way back to the campsite, I, in my mind I was saying, I can't believe I did that. See, converting the soul. It's the word of God that converts the soul. And so when I got back to the campsite, my fellow campers, I apologized to them and I made a covenant with Almighty God that that is not going to happen again. Well, uh, there are times I've gotten pretty close to it and there are times where I have uh, lost my temper. And so these things uh, have to be put to death. And this happened because I was not looking at the word of God as a mirror. And so when we're talking about the word of God being a mirror, we're talking about the word of God being a gauge, something that we can use to determine where we are. Do I do I really know myself? Well, there's a lot of people think they do. But when they get into a, a serious situation and they just fall apart, they didn't think that they would that would happen to them, but it did. So the mirror that we're going to look at in this session is the mirror of the love of God. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I've used a few translations, King James, Living Bible, Amplified Translation, uh, to try to give us a, a better picture now of what the love of God is. And so we're going to use this scriptures, this passage as a mirror. 
And we just have to judge ourselves. I'm not going to judge you. You're not going to judge me. We judge ourselves in light of the word of God. And if we're honest with one another, uh, this session is going to help us. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four, love is very patient and kind. It's never jealous or envious. It never is boastful or proud. So the word love is the Greek word agape. That's the selfless type of God kind of love that we have on the inside of us in lieu of the fact that we have asked Christ to come into our heart and life and we are born again. And so Paul is saying here that this agape love is very patient and kind. Well, you may be saying, well, I'm not a very patient person. Well, you have patience in you. See. And that impatient attitude needs to be bridled and needs to be brought under the power of the word of God. Well, I'm not a very kind person. Well, are you born again? Yes, I am born again. You have kindness in you. Amen. There is a development of kindness that you, that needs to be done in your life. Now, Paul said this, agape endures long. Agape is patient. Agape is kind. And you'll see all of these qualities in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think of the fruit of the spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance against faithfulness, temperance against such there is self-control against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit is on the inside of us. And that's what we need in order to conduct ourselves in such a way and get to know ourselves. See, that moment that I exploded, I didn't think I was like that. But I'm the one that exploded, not my wife, not anybody else. Nobody caused me to do that. I did that myself. That circumstance caused me to blow up. I thought I knew myself. Well, come to find out, I didn't know myself as much as I thought I did. But if I had been looking at the word of God, if the word of God had been that mirror before my eyes, I guarantee you, that would not have happened. Now, Paul says this. This is what agape is not. Agape is never jealous, never envious, never boastful, never proud. To be jealous, that is to covet someone else's achievements, someone else's advantages. And we must be honest with ourselves we have all been jealous at one time or another. Well, how do we temper that? How do we put that? How do we put that to death in our life? We do it with the word of God. Envious. What, what is envy? Well, it's it's us wishing we had what other people's have. What about being boastful? That's being a braggart or conceited. There are people in the church who brag all the time and who are conceited. Pride, one having an excessively high opinion of himself. Pride is running rampant today, not just in the church world, but in our society. And just to 
get a grip upon what we're talking about here. Paul in Galatians chapter five, before he lists the fruit of the spirit, lists also the works of the flesh. And all of these that I have just uh, spoken of, they are part of the works of the flesh. So if if we're dealing with jealousy, if we're dealing with uh, envy, if we're if we're boastful. If we're proud, all of those are the works of the flesh. And so what the word of God is is telling me and telling us is that the flesh has more of a dominance over our mind than what we recognize and realize. So how are we going to do it? Well, we're going to bring all these things and we're going to overpower them, overcome them. Instead of them dominating us, we're going to dominate them. Now, we'll never be fully and completely free of these things. We'll be certainly free of a lot of them. But we're always going to have to fight the good fight of faith. And that's one thing that is required in the Christian life is that we must fight the good fight of faith. So verse five says, uh, love is never haughty. It's never selfish or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable or touchy. It does not hold grudges and will hardly even notice when others do it wrong or do us wrong. Let's look. Let's look at it that way. Do our love wrong. So to be haughty, that means to act superior, means to look down on others. To be selfish means that we don't consider anybody else but ourselves. To be rude means that we're impolite. That means we're ill-mannered. We open up our mouth at the wrong time. We say things that we shouldn't say. To be irritable or to be touchy means that we are easily upset. We are easily offended and we get angry. Holding grudges, that means ill will, that means resentment, that means bitterness. There's a lot of bitterness in the church world today. Bitterness because of wrongs that were done. Well, we can get over bitterness, we can get through bitterness if we just keep looking at the mirror of the Word of God. Now, love will hardly even notice when others do it wrong. Love thinks no evil. Love takes no account of the evil done to it. And we might be thinking in our mind, that's almost impossible. Well, the word, if it's in the word of God, amen, that means we have the power through the Holy Spirit to do it. And we have to train ourselves. We have to continually develop in this area and these areas of love. Verse six says, love is not happy with evil, but is happy with the truth. Love doesn't rejoice at injustice or unrighteousness. There's a lot of injustice in this land. There's a lot of injustice in the church. Well, we're not happy about that. We're not happy about the iniquity that's going on in this nation today. And so what are we going to do about it? Well, we do have 
a responsibility to cry out at injustice and to cry out at iniquity. We're not placing ourselves above the others that do such things, but we certainly are pointing to them, not to accuse them, but pointing to them to show them that there is a better way. So love is happy. It's happy with the truth. Love rejoices when right and truth prevail. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. So love does rejoice. It rejoices when right and truth prevail. Now, verse seven says this. Love never gives up. Its faith, its hope and its patience never fail. Love never gives up. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love never fails. That means as long as we walk in love, we'll be able to bear up under anything. It's faith. Love's faith is ready to believe the best of everyone. But how often do we, in, in our natural state, how long do we believe the worst of everyone? Somebody whispers about something somebody did. And so immediately we began to look at them uh, through a different frame of mind. But yet love is not like that. Love is ready to believe the best of everyone. Of course, they have to prove themselves. When Peter came to Jesus and asked Jesus, how many times does my brother trespass against me and I forgive him seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times seven, 490 times in a day, every day, seven days a week. You mean I got to forgive that fellow that, that continually irritates me, crosses me, I've got to forgive him 490 times. That's what Jesus said. Well, how am I going to do that? The mirror of the word of God, keeping the love of God before us. It's patience, love's patience, endures everything without weakening. Love's hope is fadeless under all circumstances. Praise God. And then verse 8, love never fails. It never fades out and never becomes obsolete and it never comes to an end. That's looking at the mirror of the word of God concerning the agape love of God. And I'm here to tell you, and, and, and I'm, I'm including myself, we have a lot of work to do. We've got to keep doing what James says. We have to continue to look at the perfect law of liberty and we have to abide in it. We cannot allow the flesh to get ahead of us, to get ahead of our soul, to get ahead of our spirit and to do things that we're going to have to later. We're going to have to turn right around and apologize for. Ask God to forgive us for. Now, what did Jesus say about this kind of love, this kind of agape? Matthew chapter 5, verses 43. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you in order that you may be the sons of your father who is in heaven. For he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax gatherers do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do than others? Do you not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, we say all the time, well, we're not perfect. But yet Jesus said we are to be perfect. We are to be to a place to where these stones and, and, and rocks that cause us to trip and to stumble can be moved out of the way. How do we do it? We do it through the mirror of the word of God. James 13, 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for another. That's the way the church began. That's the way it needs to be today, 20th centuries later. God is, the Lord Jesus is still requiring his disciples to love one another. Now in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, <clears throat> and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength and with all of your mind and, and your neighbor as yourself. We, You and I, we can quote that verbatim. We know this passage of Scripture. And Jesus said to him, well, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wishing to justify himself. See, here is here is that innate desire for self-preservation. Maintain my dignity. Well, I've got I've got a dignity to protect. Well, no, you have the love of God that you need to yield to. You and I need to yield to. But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers and they stripped him and beat him and went off, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down on that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. How many times have we done that? How many times have we seen people in need, but because we were busy, because we had a schedule to keep, we passed them on by. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. That's one of the outward effects of the love of God is compassion. And came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put them on his own beast and brought them to an end and took care of them. And on the next day, he took out two pennies and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. 
And whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus said to him, go and you do the same. Amen. And this is exactly what Jesus is requiring of us. Amen. Praise God. Love is perfect. The word of God is perfect. So in concluding, if we'll continue to keep the word of God before us, not sitting down, reading the word and then getting busy and then forgetting all about the word, because you and I, you know, when we wake up in the morning, we get ready for work or we get ready for today's activities. We have no idea what we're going to encounter during the day. So we need to have our armor on. We need to have ourselves prepared and make sure that uh, that we have been fed the word of God. And that no matter what happens, whatever circumstance comes our way, we are going to answer that circumstance by the love of God. And so to know thyself. Remember, that's the beginning of all wisdom. It's not going to be realized unless we look at ourselves through the mirror of God's love and not be hearers of the work, but doers. That's how we are blessed in everything that we do. Father, we bless you. We thank you today for your word. Enlighten us, Lord, and we'll give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.